Hello, loyal listeners of Rage Against the Mainstream. Bill here. I sure hope you guys are really enjoying season two. I mean, I know it's only been uh, two episodes so far, but this is the third one. It, this is the interview with the vocalist RJ from the band Alica. I had the pleasure of sitting down with him for a little bit, and uh, yeah, man, this thing was pretty sweet. Um, I, at the end of the interview here, we have a song for you guys to check out from the band. Um, yeah, so without further ado, here we go. Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream for the first time. This is RJ, the vocalist from the, I guess, what would you consider you guys? Deathcore, death metal? Yeah, it's like a deathcore, death metal kind of thing. We could try to, I guess it's kind of both. Yeah, they got the blast beats and we got the breakdown. So it's kind of like a mixture of both. Exactly. The band's name is Alica and they are yes. from Waldorf, Maryland. Perfect. All right, RJ. I mean, I know who you are. But for those of our listeners that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do in the band? Uh, well, I am the vocalist, the guy who does all the yelling stuff. And uh, yeah, we've uh, Alec has been around for a little over four years now. We've been able to uh, you know travel cross country, do the thing, uh, put out a couple albums. Um, I believe one of your recent. Uh, interviewees or guests uh chris bianchi uh he's our manager he manages us and we were actually under his label uh legend recordings for our first album and we just recently signed to uh stay sick records this year so now we're getting ready to release an album early next year on stay sick awesome yeah uh, chris was a pretty good interview he's definitely a really nice guy Oh yeah, now you can't be. He's 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 one of the first people that ever gave us a chance a couple of years back. I remember doing the emails just to kind of shop out our uh, our album. That he was the one who was really interested and really had a you know, had a goal set for us. So it was really awesome just to see it kind of grow over the past couple of years that we've been with him. So. Yeah, exactly. And talking to him, it sounded like that's like what his mo was. You know, to help out like the you know the little guys. Oh yeah, dude. He, he never stops, man. He's always constantly going, which is, you know, what you need for somebody to, you know, especially for a manager who manages bands and stuff like that. You know, he, that dude, he sleeps and breathes music. So it's nice to have someone on your team that's completely gold driven for you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of music, what got you into music? My dad was like the Southern, like classic rock kind of guy We where I had you know, like I had Black Sabbath, I had Judas Priest, I had Boston, Rush, I had all those bands that I was growing up. And then my mom was like the funk and country, you know, aspect of stuff. So I'd listen to Frankie Valley, I'd listen to Brooks and Dunn, I'd listen to a whole wide spectrum of like different bands and stuff. But uh, that kind of got me into music. I remember like religiously watching VHS tapes of different like uh I remember there was a Garth Brooks VHS I used to own that got abused. Uh, there was a there was a couple other ones. There was like a Rush DVD that I remember watching. My dad had he had a bunch of different ones, so we'd watch those and you know just watch the concerts and stuff. And it just made me want to kind of play more. And then uh, as I got older, my neighbor uh, she was about ten years older than me. She took me to my first couple Ozfests and that where. That's where I saw Hatebreed for the first time play main stage back in, I think, 06. And I think that was like the, the point where I was like, I need to do that. I oh, need hell to yeah. Yeah, dude, it was so good. And I was just like, this is this is it. This is what it, this is metal. Like, I need to do this. And started doing band stuff. And it just it progressive, you know, just progressed into what it is now. I started 
really doing the vocal thing uh probably about 12 years ago i'm 29 now and i started doing it when i was about 17 18 and just been doing the local circuit stuff and it's finally worked its way to the national touring and stuff like that and it's been it's been great man it's been awesome so yeah and i was reading about i was reading on your uh spotify and it was saying you know uh, festivals and stuff you played you, you played summer slaughter didn't you yeah we uh we had played summer slaughter the 10-year anniversary when we did that um, we did the 10 year anniversary for summer slaughter. So that was cannibal corpse, Nile. We did a couple other, uh, we did a death fest show. We did a couple other things that were really cool, man. Uh, that was earlier this year. We played Guelph death fest, uh, earlier this year. We played Vegas death fest when we were on our U S run with, uh, waking the cadaver and, uh, gorgasm. That oh, was nice. insane. Yeah, man, that was crazy. But we've, we've been real lucky to be able to play a lot of really cool festivals. And, uh, yeah, Summer Slaughter was definitely one of them. We we were the opener, so we got, like, the people, like, coming in through the door because we played, like, literally as soon as the doors opened. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we, you know, it's not our show, so we're the opener. And by the, we only had a 20-minute set, so I think by by the end of the set, it was like that was when it's starting to fill out. It's like, oh, cool. It's whatever. But it well, at cool the end of the day, we- at the end of the day, when you're talking shit to people, you're like, listen, I, you know, I was midday. I was a midday slot. What are you talking about? Dude? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they started, they start early for those festivals too, man. Like, uh, I forget what day it fell on a weekday. It was like a, I want to say it was probably like a Wednesday or something, but they had doors open at like 1 PM and it's like, you already kind of expected to be kind of shot, even if it's like a huge tour package like that. 1 p.m. on a on a Wednesday in the middle of Baltimore, traffic already blows during the whole day. So it's kind of, you know, just people trying to scramble and get there on time to see all the bands. It's tough. So, we, I mean, we had a good crowd, though. It was, it was a really good time. It was a huge learning experience for us, too, because you finally saw, you know, because we had been doing small local gigs for a while. And then we finally got that big offer. So to see something on a national platform. Uh, you know that big and that you know that kind of stage production was insane and then you know we got to see it earlier this year going on the road with soulfly too yeah you know, we awesome. learned a lot from them. yeah man i mean those guys are really really great too they were super they they let us they offered us to go out and we were more than lucky to take it and be able to be a part of that yeah that kicks ass all right well since we're talking about shows and you know being on the road and stuff what do you guys enjoy doing more being on the road or do you enjoy writing in the studio or recording in the studio? Uh, I personally like being on the road, man. I just love the travel aspect and you get to see things that you just normally don't get to do back home. Uh, this recent recording, we really enjoyed it though. We had a really good time recording cause we went to, uh, we went up to Quebec and recorded with, uh, uh Christian Donaldson at, at his studio called the grid. And we were up there for a little over a week, just kind of grinding out this album. But, you know, he was a really great dude. He took us around like the little area to try craft beers and we stayed in the studio. So all the, all five of us were up there kind of like just hibernating together. We were kind of isolated from the world because it was, you know, we never been to that part of Canada before and it, it, they speak English, but it's a very, they all, it's more French than anything. Like there's no English signs on the road. So it's like, we're in like a whole nother world, but we're all together. So that was cool. But I, I personally just like the road, you know, just traveling on the road and stuff like that, just cause I don't know. There's just something about it. I, I also love driving. So I really love the fact that I can like wake up whenever I want. If we have like a six or seven hour drive, I can wake up at four in the morning and I can catch like a sunrise in a state that I've never even never been to and it's just kind of cool because it's quiet it's peaceful i normally get my coffee so i can kind of 
just kind of chill out and kind of yeah. drive through it. It's, it's awesome, man. Uh, but that's, that's just me though. I think a couple of other guys really love the studio stuff too. They just like pumping out new music and just the whole aspect of a recording process. Cause you get to hear new stuff. You're hearing new music that you're creating. And I think that's also really cool too. So yeah, exactly. I mean, I've never been on tour, but I can only imagine how awesome it must be. I, I mean, like obviously you fall down. It's like that wormhole or like groundhogs day where like you're doing the same thing every day. But being able to go to, you know, different places and stuff like places you've never been to like that, like that alone has got to be worth it. Oh, it was awesome, man. It's uh, the reason when we did across the U.S. during the summertime was a really great one. We got to experience a lot of things. Uh, we got to travel a lot of different places, play a lot of venues we never played before. But then we've had some uh, I shouldn't say miserable, but uh, the Soulfly tour, when we were on that one, we went to Canada mid I want to say February. It was in the middle of February Ooh, in Canada. Yeah. And we met with them the first date of the tour. We met up with them in Toronto and it was, they got a, they got hit with a foot of snow to, going to the venue and they got, we, and then we had to drive to Flint, Michigan the next day to be oh, there wow. for sound. Yeah. And Soulfly ended, Soulfly, every show ended around about one thirty, and we had to drive, you know, if we wrap up and do everything and haul ass out of there, we get out around two thirty-three in the morning. And now we got to drive to Flint, Michigan in the middle of like a blizzard. And it, it was, it was pretty terrible trying to drive through that. But I mean, we got, we were real lucky. We kind of nursed it all the way there. So it, it was, it was okay. But you know, some of those, some of those tours, you don't get like a hotel stay, you know, you got to kind of save money because we were the opener for that tour as well. So we weren't, making a whole lot so we had to sleep in the van but sleeping in the van when it's you know 10 degrees outside and we're not I just mean, a little uncomfortable <laughs> oh yeah and we're from maryland so they shut the whole state down if we get three inches of you know even <laughs> like less than that if we, get, if we get like an inch of snow on the ground they're shutting down the government so like a foot of snow was like it was terrible <laughs> you know i was getting ready to say well you guys are from maryland it's not like you've never seen snow before no, we get it, but it's yeah, it's pretty much if you say if you even say the word snow, it's like an apocalypse. You know, I, I yeah, I, I I work I work retail when I'm not doing this stuff. So like I know like dude, the bread aisle, the milk, the eggs, like everything is gone. If you even hint snow, and then the next day we'll get I don't know maybe two inches. Like it ain't everything's nothing. empty. Oh yeah, they probably do it in Jersey too. Like oh my if they, god, like, dude, do they yeah, do it here? Yeah, <laughs> they just shut it down. Like, uh, which is cool. I mean, more power to people. You know, I unfortunately with retail, they don't care if it snows. They tell you to walk. So yeah, exactly. Uh, getting back to touring here, uh, what's one of the coolest shows you guys have played so far, or one that uh, sticks out? Uh, one recently I really enjoyed. We played. Uh, I think I had said we played Guelph Death Fest. Um, we were up in canada we were up in in guelph canada we had drove up there for just one day we drove <laughs> from maryland all the way to canada and it was like they it was a venue that we really we really liked it was called district we played there a couple times on previous tours okay and it was a cool it was a cool venue we had got bumped up to main stage for this show because we had played the previous year and they liked us enough and they wanted us to come back for main stage so we thought it was awesome we were playing with um a band called flub beyond creation a bunch of really sick locals out there and uh we get there and like the night that we're driving up 
we get heads up that like the venue changes. So we're like, all right. Like, what? Okay. Yeah. So we're like, all right, I guess we're not playing the venue. So like, what, where is it? And they sent us the address for this new venue. It's called red papaya. And we're like, that sounds odd, but we didn't think nothing of it. We figured it was another venue. Well, we get there and we're out front of a strip mall and uh, oh, we're like, no. this, uh, yeah, we're like, all right, what's going on in here? So we're looking around and we can't see it. And then we were told we were told to walk into like this mall. We're like, all right. So we walk into this mall. It's now it's a Thai restaurant. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a Thai restaurant. So we walk in and we're like this. And people are like legitimately having family dinner <laughs> and sitting down <laughs> and like and I was like, there's no way there's no way a death metal show is happening here today. There's like there's like 13 bands on the bill. There's no way this is happening. And we go up to the nice lady who was running the, the restaurant. And I go, you know, is there a supposed to be a show today? And she said, yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, where? <laughs> and she goes, she just points to this like little step. Like you walk up these steps and it's like a little dining room, like platform where tables are. And we, yeah. And we were like, so that's, that's where it goes. And she said, yeah. So we just waited and sure enough uh i forget how many kids showed up but it was like 400 kids packed into this little tire <laughs> restaurant <laughs> and uh when we played there was there was a video of us just having a good time we're, we're all looking at each other getting ready to go on like this we're about to play a tie restaurant in canada <laughs> for a death metal show well, so, if you guys yeah. ever wrote a book or something, like that's definitely got to be a chapter or something. Oh, dude, it was so good. My my buddy Liam, uh, who runs Nomadic Arts up there, is is the man. He's a really good dude. He he always hooks us up when we're up there, and he really he really took care of us anytime we're up there. He got us on that show. So shout outs to Liam for you know hooking it up and everything else. But yeah, it was that was probably the most memorable recently. Every uh, the the recent tour we did with uh the US tour was awesome too. A lot of great shows. We made a lot of good memories and stuff. But recently that one was probably the wildest just because, you know, just the Thai restaurant, you don't expect much. But they like they apparently they had shows there all the time. Like it was nothing to them. But we were just like they don't do this in Maryland like at all. Well you so, know like how like bars like will like give you drinks and stuff throughout the night. Did they give you any kind of Thai food or anything for playing the show? I think they gave it. I didn't try anything. I think they were given like discounted drinks and stuff like that. But I mean, it was packed in there, man. Like they had like where it was. It was like a little. They had like a bar too, but it was just like I don't even know how people sat there. Like I saw a couple people sitting there, but it was just like people were moshing and just like on <laughs> each other. Like dude, it was like being on like a metro during rush hour. Like just a bunch of sweaty dudes and chicks just like rubbing on you. You don't want to like trying to be drinking like a a cocktail or a beer while somebody's like rubbing on you but it, i they i think they gave discounted stuff though so it was cool that's awesome all right yeah. so when i when i hear you guys i hear like a perfect blend between you know like the death core thing and the death metal thing uh grind core like i hear like all that now what like what is like the influences like what do you where do you guys draw your influences from uh for uh well for me it's like i like a lot of different stuff i grew up listening to like i don't know i don't know how you were but i was in i grew up in like kind of like that new metal phase that everybody like hates right now like yeah. apparently it's like yeah like so i grew up with like the old school slipknot stuff i grew up with like when stained was heavy <laughs> when uh <laughs> like uh 
uh, like 40 Below Summer, Chimera, like a lot of those bands I really, really like and enjoy still. But then it's it slowly got heavier. Like I got into Red Chord. I got into Parkway Drive, like some metalcore stuff. Um, so that was mine. Uh, Dante, my guitarist, loves Behemoth. He loves Beneath the Massacre. David, my other guitarist, is really into like Born of Osiris and like a lot of the Sumerian bands. Um, mm-hmm. Tim's like that, too. He likes a lot of abstract, like crazy shit. Um, and Danny was like, he's huge on Rush. He's a big Metallica fan, like old school Metallica. I, I'd say we'll Saint Anger, right but he, here. yeah, oh, for, yeah <laughs> I, I'd say Danny likes Saint Anger Metallica, but he'd probably, I can't even say that without like smiling right now because I know it's such, we make such a joke about that album because it's yeah. <laughs> it's actually funny you're bringing up Saint Anger. I actually have a funny story about a guest that we had on our show. It was like a running joke on our show that we would always bring Metallica up like every episode. And um, uh-huh. not that it's like a joke, but like they just somehow found their way into whatever, like whatever we were talking about. Yeah. And, and um, like I said to him, because uh, like our first episode was the last good Metallica album. So I asked him, I was like, hey, man, what would you consider the last good Metallica album? He's like, all of them are great. I was like, Wait, what? He's like, he's like, all of them are great. I was like, even St. Anger? He goes, dude, St. Anger was just misunderstood. It's a, uh, what was the what was the term that he used? He's like, uh, it's interesting. And I was just like, what? And like, it was like the end of the interview anyway. I was like, all right, man, thanks a lot. Blah, blah, blah. And like I said yeah. here, my my co-host Steve, I'm like, did he really just fucking say did, that? Did he just say Saint Anger was cool? <laughs> yeah, literally, that's what he said. Because you know, like uh, the way the way this kind of rolls is, I, I'm supposed to be like the butt rock kind of guy that likes Nickelback and shit like that. But you know, it is what it is. If they have a good Man. tune, I'll listen to it. Man, I'm I'm gonna say if this is on the record, I'll even say it. Nickelback's got some good albums. They're just misunderstood. You're damn right too. they do. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the long road was my album. <laughs> Dude, flat on the floor, the opening track, so good. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! People don't realize it. Like besides the radio tunes, Nickelback has bangers. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, don't there isn't one person that doesn't know uh, how you remind me or whatever the uh, yeah exactly they, everybody. Dude, everyone knows Photograph, even though that's like, I wasn't big on that song, but like everyone knows that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like, besides like the, besides the radio songs, like they have good music. Yeah, that's what I'm, dude, they're just, they're misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't understand where the hate for Nickelback comes from. Like, I, I really don't get it. Creed, maybe. I like Creed too, but. I, I honestly like Creed too. Human Clay, <laughs> dude, I remember getting Human Clay on CD. And was like abusing playing that thing. What if, dude? What if was so hard? Yeah, dude. Well, that's the thing. Tremonti is an insanely good guitar player. He was a very good songwriter. And like, even though Scott, Scott Stapp's a little fucking crazy, he's still he was still a good vocalist. Regardless if he stole his vocal stylings from Eddie Vedder, that, that shit doesn't matter. They were a good band. Yeah, they do. They still. I don't know how they are now. I heard they they actually did. I don't don't quote me on it, but I think they did like we were making fun of it because it was like down here in Southern Maryland, it gets kind of like super rednecky, and uh-huh. uh, they had and they had like a festival, and it was like it was like Creed, it was Saliva, Trapped, 
in like some other like it, like a tantric or something like that and we were like what the heck <laughs> was like, That's the, the, the butt rock family values tour is coming back or something like, yeah exactly what, dude <laughs> it made no sense we're like dude when we all kind of wanted to go but we never went we were like dude we should totally go to that well that's the thing like you said like you go and then like when anyone questions you about it, you're like, uh, yeah, I, I thought about it as a joke. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I'd go, but you know, obviously tickets are like a price now. And like, they're probably charging crazy money just to go see that act. So oh I was like, God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, that, that and disturbed. Everyone hates on disturbed. I don't know why, but I dude, was a big disturbed fan. <laughs> no bullshit. I saw disturbed in 2010. They headline mayhem fest. Disturbed to this day still has one of the best live shows I've ever seen. Dude, so good. I saw them. I want to say it might have been Bed for Mayhem Fest. I forget what year. It was years ago, though. But they were like, they you couldn't touch them. They were so good. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. And like it was funny, too, because um, I think Megadeth did their uh, the 25th anniversary Rust in Peace uh, tour where they played the whole thing through its entirety. And like Suicide Silence had just put out... Um, no time to bleed and like shit was crazy. Like in flames was there and it was just wild. And the one thing that stuck out to me was disturbed. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I remember, uh, I remember seeing in flames come out when soundtrack to your escape came out because that was my favorite album. They did right before, uh, what is it? Uh, not, I don't know if it's come clarity. It had clouds connected on it. Uh, I can't remember what album that was, but that was a really good one too. But yeah, dude, I'm they were sure. so good. That was, that was with Demu Borg. Demu Borgir was on that bill. Like they played uh, Progenies. That was such a good set too, man. Like That's they came. Awesome. They were, dude. That was another weird one though, because that was another black metal band in the middle of the daytime in full corpse paint playing like with flames <laughs> and shit. And I'm like, this is tight, but this is so weird singing this in the middle of the day. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was so sick. All right. Well, getting back on the track here. Uh, I'm actually doing a pre-interview with you right now to see if you want to be a co-host of this podcast. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> All right. So um, how does the songwriting process work for you guys? Like, uh, like, do you guys sit in a room together and come up with everything? Do the guitar players show up and have songs already pre-written? How does it work? Uh, for us, luckily, we're, we're all pretty, we're all pretty easy to work with man we have like different ideas and stuff but how it normally works especially for the reese now we just did um dante and dave or even tim will come up with like riffs and they'll but they'll basically bring them in and we'll all kind of feed off each other i like to be fully prepared when i go in so i'll have sheets of lyrics that i've already written like i always I always write i don't like i know like maynard from tool and like a couple other guys who write they'll literally wait until the album's done to start the writing process for lyrics. I like to be right there, like tweaking the lyrics as soon as like it's being written. So I'll come in with full sheets and then just apply, you know, lines here, lines there. And then I'll take, if I've had two like songs that are like similar with like styles or like, uh, you know, topics, I'll just kind of blend them together if I have to. And it all, it all works out pretty well. So like Dante will come in with, certain stuff and then he'll feed off of dave and whatever dave brings in so it, it mainly starts with the riffs and then it'll start with danny making beats you know on the drums and then we just kind of all kind of piece it together slowly and then we just kind of we've done stuff where we jam it out too i know some bands will jam it out but it's yeah. and, and they'll get ideas like that but it, it seems to work better for us when we come in with like ideas and stuff like that it seems to be the best process for us because I don't know. We're we're all pretty good at thinking on the fly for the most part, but 
sometimes we just don't know what to do. Sometimes we're just super unorganized with that. So <laughs> we'll, we'll walk in and we're just kind of like, I know we were supposed to have stuff, but nothing came to me today. And then we're all kind of like, well, okay. So we just kind of just let it go. And we just either jam the set or whatever it might be. But uh, most of the time we come in fully prepared for the most part. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like also with this type of music, like the heavier, like more technical type uh you know death metals and stuff like it's not like you're writing like a foo fighters type radio song it's not like a verse chorus first you know bridge you know outro whatever like these some of these songs are extremely complex and have a lot of working parts and it's not like you can just take a song and be like oh i can't figure this out throw a breakdown that'll dude, work yeah dude now and we're, we're not a, we've actually tried to limit the amount of breakdowns that we put in our music now just because we want to put more of the musical side of it in there we we want to keep it like our thing now is we want to be more structured i mean it's cool to have the breakdowns in there but we want to make sure it's structured and flows well and that can be difficult especially yeah in this genre of music because it's like you know we can't just do power chords and stuff like that like yeah, exactly. the dudes, the, the dudes want to shred and danny wants to do blast beats and stuff so it's just it, it's tough to go okay well how do we piece this together when we have Dude, I can't I, I can't play an instrument to save my life. If I pick one up, I'll probably break it. So like for me to like for me to try and like, you know, even ha I have like some input towards like the riffs and stuff. But like all in all, when it comes to like talent of guitar playing, I'm the least talented in the room. So I leave that to the guys who know what they're talking about. So I uh, so I just let them normally talk it out and I'll go, hey, maybe try that and then they'll try and if it sounds cool they'll do it but it's definitely it can be difficult man it's but luckily everyone picks I, that's another thing too i don't know how big guy i don't know how dave and dante and the guys can like pick up so quickly to like because dante or dave will come in with this like ridiculous riff and they'll be like this is what i learned and then without missing a beat they, anybody just picked it up like within a matter of minutes <laughs> Yeah, like, it's funny how like cool. how, how a band like works like that sometimes like you just have dudes that just come together and it's like like, have we been working together our whole lives dude that's what i'm saying it makes no sense sometimes because dante can pick it up by hearing it which is just insane and then dave just has to look at somebody play it for like a couple of times and he's got it and i'm like all right well i guess <laughs> i have no idea how to do any of that so i just <laughs> i'm just kind of like i got lyrics that cool yeah so. exactly <laughs> how, yeah, how did all you guys meet uh well, when Alica first formed, what happened was uh, my old band had disbanded and I had bought a storage unit to practice out of just to jam with local friends and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. our old drummer, our old drummer was kind of jamming around. I asked him if he wanted to come practice and stuff. So we did that. Uh, he had a couple of buddies come in, but nothing really, really clicked well. A couple of the guys just, they just did. I don't know what it was. Just something didn't work out right. But uh Long story short, I had met Dave and our old bassist, Chris, from around the local area. They played in another band. And uh, what had happened was I just told him, hey, I'm trying to make this new band. If you guys are interested, I know you're in a band, but if you want to come, you know, jam and practice, you know, just c come by my place and we can make something happen maybe. And sure enough, they were like, sure. So they worked it out. They came over, started jamming. Uh, my old drummer had uh, contacted Dante, uh, was like, hey, we're we're doing a couple shows. It'd be cool to have like an extra guitarist come in and like maybe do some fill in stuff. So at first, uh, Dante was just kind of doing some fill in stuff with us. So it was oh, okay. like, the, yeah, it was like the five of us, but he just stuck around cause he enjoyed, you know, working with us. He actually 
wanted to tolerate us and deal with our shit. So it was nice. <laughs> and, uh, and it was cool. So it, it worked out. Um, so we ended up, uh, we ended up doing that for a couple of years until, um, our, we had, we had disbanded from our old drummer and then we got Danny crazy enough because in the same storage facility that we practiced at, Danny was in a band upstairs and literally the same day that we had parted ways with our drummer, Danny's old band had disbanded. Oh, wow. So that's I, awesome. So I call him up and I'm like, Hey, do you want to maybe practice soon? Like we just like kind of, you know, our old drummer left and he was like, that's funny. My band's done now too. I can come downstairs. And literally it was, <laughs> it was, dude, he literally got in the elevator, came downstairs and just started practicing. It that's made, awesome. it was just crazy how that worked out. So, and then, you know, we had Chris for a couple years, Chris, um, our old bassist was with us. Uh, up until about about a year ago he just life happens man and you know he, he had a lot to juggle so he he decided and we decided probably be best if you know he went separate ways and there was no bad blood there and luckily tim had done a couple tours with us in the past and we thought it'd be fitting to you know have him be a part of the have, have him come and jam with us and then it just became a permanent thing and uh yeah, we've been really lucky to have him in the band, man, because he's a really good guy, too, and he knows how to play. And he's been in the circuit uh, locally for years, too. And, you know, luckily everything worked out the way it did, man. And that's that's how we've been going since. So and then it's just been working out the how it has been for us. So Awesome. Do you guys still practice in the storage bin? Yeah, it's it's the best way for us to practice because, uh, I mean, we could do it at my place. My neighbors are like really, really cool because my old neighbor, my well, my next door neighbor used to play in a punk band in D.C., so he probably wouldn't care. Oh, okay. But my but my other neighbors, they're really nice, but they have like uh, three and like a two year old. So like the last thing they need. Yeah, that shit wouldn't fly. Like, yeah, they'd be like, we like you, but nah. <laughs> so, yeah, so. uh so we just stay at a storage unit. Uh, we don't, I mean, with everybody chipping in, it's, it's little to no money. We get 24 hour access. We can be as loud as we want. Although one time we did have the cops, uh, end up showing up cause we, apparently we played so loud that we set off an alarm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we had, uh, uh, Prince George's County where we're at. We had, well, Charles County, I guess we had Charles County police department and a couple state troopers come in cause they had no idea what was going on. <laughs> and, uh, well, they so probably thought like out. an atomic bomb dropped in the complex or something. Yeah, dude, it made, we were like, we were playing and then they come walking down the hallway because uh, it's motion sensor lights and it was dark and they cut on. So we're like, why is somebody here at like 11 o'clock at night? And we look <laughs> down the hallway and it's like three state troopers and a firefighter. And they're like, so what's up? <laughs> That's we're awesome. Like, yeah, we're like, oh, what happened? And they're like, you set off an alarm. And luckily they were really polite about it. But I think they were just kind of like... They, none of them obviously listened to like i guess metal or like hard rock so they were like yeah. we heard you play in your heard you play in your like devil music that's pretty cool <laughs> like, thanks yeah yeah now see it's funny um me and the, me and my other co-host connor we uh we were both in bands in high school and everything and we decided to go to a storage unit like let's get a storage unit and um we wound up getting like a 10 by 20 bin and we separated it in half the back half had a sectional sofa, a big screen TV and surround sound. And then the, the beginning half had, you know, like the full stacks, two drum kits and, you know, like all like the PA and stuff. We all just shared each other's shit so we can go in there and hang out when we were done. What? 
dude, that's awesome. Dude, it was I tight. Wish we'd do that. I'm telling you, man, it, it was it was sweet. And I still kick myself in the ass every day that I that I don't have it anymore. Oh, for real, y'all just ended up. Yeah, I mean, I get that too. But yeah, I figured y'all could probably just sleep there too, couldn't you? You just if you got done practicing, just want to like sleep. You had a couch. So. I'm not gonna lie. There was a point in time where I uh, where I was homeless for a couple of days. I did live up there. Oh, did you? Yeah, I, dude, we've we've had buddies do the same thing, dude. It's like especially rent. I don't know how it is in Jersey, but I know, dude, in Maryland, just to rent like an apartment is like just a one bedroom ranges from like 1200 to $1,500, you know, and it's, yeah, the price didn't fluctuate much up here. Yeah. And that's like without even utilities. That's if you want to live in like a cardboard box with a parking space, basically. So like, like, I don't know, but yeah, it's, we, we, we had a couch. We didn't really have a couch. We had a, our van that we use, we pulled out one of the seats. So we had like a place to sit, oh, okay. so, <laughs> but we, well, we got like bar stools and shit now. Like we literally put like everything of ours in there. And so it's just, it gets a little cluttered with five, you know, I, I don't think ours is a 10 by 20. I think ours is, it might be a 10 by 20, but we're just really bad with organizing like space. <laughs> so like, if we if we actually sat and organized it, we could probably do something like that. But like we're so bad at that sometimes. It's just like ah, and we're lazy too. We're like it's here, just leave it alone. So well, that was the thing. Like uh, we hit up a Goodwill one day. Like I just so happened to have a trailer on the back of my truck, and I was like, you know what? There's a couch. This would look really uh, good in our storage bin. And I was like, oh wait, there's a TV too. Fuck yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, because you can get like what? You can get a couch at Goodwill for like ten cents. Yeah, exactly. I think I think we furnished our whole bin for like sixty bucks. What? <laughs> and and like I said, I found I found the surround sound and the TV, and it was just like fuck it, this is over. I brought my PlayStation up and my VCR, and no bullshit. We used to watch the uh, the GG Allen documentary like literally oh, nonstop. Shit. No, where he's like shitting on pee and yeah, yeah, doing exactly. all that crazy. Yeah, <laughs> the good, the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah, right, we uh, dude, we thought about getting a couch, but I was like, I, there's a goodwill up here, but I remember we went to like Salvation Army and stuff, and uh, I'm pretty sure it had rats or like, pretty sure it was covered in DNA or piss or something. We're like, nah, we're gonna pass on that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the floor and bar still seem fine to me. <laughs> yeah, it's they're a little bit cleaner, you know, no 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 bad cleanup, so. Yeah, exactly. Well, at least you know where they came from at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any advice for anyone trying to get into the music industry? Like Don't at any do level. It. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. No. Uh, um it's a lot weirder than not weirder. It's a lot harder than it looks, man. It's a lot of it's a lot of sitting there going, do I really want to do this? It's a lot of sacrifice. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of, it's a lot of time invested for something that you're going to put everything into and get little back in return at first. You know, it, I've been doing it for over 10 years and it's just now starting to pay off. You know, I've kept my one job that's been able to work around my touring schedule and it's not the greatest to retail job, you know, and you kind of have to, you kind of have to sit there and grind it out. You know, it's, you, you it's almost, it, it sucks in a way. Cause I know a lot of the guys that we've been on the road with, I've asked them the same thing and it's almost, you can't really have a full blown career in order to do music full time. Cause you know, a real career isn't going to let you, you know, be able to leave like that. Some will, and you get really lucky with certain aspects, but yeah. a lot of places won't. So you have to kind of, it's like a double-edged sword. You got to kind you have to deal with like the bad jobs that'll be fle- flexible, 
but you also get to tour. I mean, that's the perk of it. But I mean, it's, I just, my best advice is if you really want to do it, you know, get a bunch of friends. You have to be open-minded about stuff. You know, you're going to have to deal with four or five, maybe however many people you want in your band, you're going to have to deal with the attitudes and the ideas. And you're going to have to understand that you might have to negotiate stuff, but you know, you're all there for the same purpose of music and you want to, you want to make music, you want to have fun. And if you want to take it seriously and start making money, then, you know, take the steps that you need to do. But it's, it's a lot harder to do than you think. Uh, but you know, if you keep focused and you, you, you know, you, you keep pushing yourself, I, anything's possible. I think, especially it doesn't matter what genre of music it's, you know, it's tough now because the playing field's the same for like any genre. We got Spotify and all the social media network stuff. So, I mean, just, just keep, keep a level head, be humble. And, uh, you know, anybody you come across, make friends and, you know, just build your build your list of people that you're friends with, because it'll definitely pay off in the long run and your hard work will, too. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you can get on supporting tours and just networking. The, like the networking thing is just so big. I mean, even for doing a podcast, like networking is is key. Dude, yeah. I mean, that's what really that's what it really comes down to, man. We've a lot of our contacts and a lot of our tours and a lot of our shows that we get offered are from people that we know who we've made friends with, man. That's that. I don't know why it seems like, I don't know if you see it like I do sometimes, but you go on social media and it's just like so many musicians are just people in general who are trying to get into the music industry or business side of things. They just, they put so much personal BS out there and they belittle so many things. It's like, why would you, why would you do that to yourself? You're like shooting yourself in the foot, putting so much negative stuff out there for no reason. And like, rather than doing that, why don't you invest your time and actually trying to make connections with people? Cause that's really, that's what it's going to only going to benefit you, you know? Exactly. And that's, that, that's, that's what I think is what really matters. You know, it's, it's not a competition. I mean, we're all, we're all trying to make music and try to expand and like grow our brands and our networks and everything that we're working for. But, and I mean, in a way it can be complicated competition, I guess, like friendly competition. Yeah. But I mean, just, yeah, it's that you got to network with things, man. You gotta, you gotta send the emails. You gotta be friendly. You gotta be cool with people and no one's out to get you. Like that's one thing I've noticed. Like everyone thinks somebody's out to get you. Like, you know, it's not like that. Like, I mean, if you run a business like with labels and stuff like that, in certain cases, like they want to make money, obviously. So, I mean, but it's, it's from a business standpoint. It's not because they're genuinely just trying to screw you over. Like you just got to be smart with what you do and, you know, just be humble with what you got. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. But dude, yeah, but Chris, dude, I, I can't say it enough. Chris is a man. Like he, he really is like without him answering my email years ago when I went, Hey, I, uh, I really am looking for management. And like I said, it wasn't even a label deal with uh, Chris at first. It was a management offer. We got under management and then he checked out our album. Luckily he liked our album and he offered us uh, a label release through legend. And then we got real lucky, man. And we got, we got a couple tours from that and like, I'll forever be grateful for that. I know Chris, that, that dude's the man to have in your corner. If you're going to have somebody there. So yeah, exactly. And you know, he's just a great dude. I'm, I'm definitely glad I connected with him. Cause now I got a new best friend that's going to, you know, help me on future episodes with arguing Nickelback. Dude. Hell yeah. Dude. So sick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, before I let you go here, this is your chance to plug yourself. You know, where can people find you? What's your social medias? What's next for Alica? This is your chance to tell the world. These are the plugs. All right, here we go. Uh, so you can follow us on Facebook, Alica MD. 
look up uh, on Instagram. We're Alica Official. Uh, Twitter, Alica Official. Our YouTube is Alica underscore band. Uh, find us on Spotify, keyword Alica. Uh, any stream helps. Any like any like or comment, you know, we'll, we always try to respond quickly. And, you know, when we have a big cartel, Alica.bigcartel.com. That's our web store. Uh, I ship everything personally the next day. So if you order something literally after this podcast, whoever is listening, uh, I will probably ship it either that day before 5 p.m. or the next day. Like we always try to be really quick with the ships. And uh, yeah, man, uh, that's that's basically we got all the social media stuff. Uh, trying to think uh, you can find us on Tinder, Grinder. uh afro love christian harmony christian mingle uh i don't know if they're i don't know if they're on there it'd be pretty cool if we were though but check those out and uh yeah we're the the normal the main social media sites we're there and uh yeah just look up alka band alka official alka md we're all there man and like i said uh yeah just check it out and hopefully you dig it if this is your first time hearing us and hopefully uh you know, we can be one of your new favorite bands. And just in case any of you guys were wondering, it is spelled A-L-U-K-A-H. It looks like a Luca, but it's pronounced Alica. It's uh came from our old bassist. He loved the show Hunter X Hunter. It's a character on there, and it also means horse leech in Hebrew <laughs> terms for anybody curious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. So um What's next for Alica? Um, when's when's your new CD coming out? Um, um no, what are the plans? No, yeah, so the the plans for next year are still up in there. We can't announce a whole lot, but I know we're gonna have a bunch of tours early in the year. Uh, they're still getting worked out. Um, album early next year. Uh, can't even give much information on that because everything is still like under wraps with Stay Sick. But it is coming out on Stay Sick Records. Uh, there will be a lot of touring next year new merchandise new stuff like that uh expect i guess uh, expect a new uh, new music within the next couple weeks we're going to be releasing i believe a single soon um and then once the single comes out we'll be doing a whole press run on that um it'll be on spotify it'll be on itunes iMusic, all that fun stuff and uh yeah, it's it's the one that we selected it's it's a heavy one so i hope people dig it it's it's definitely it's definitely a good one. We really, we're really proud of how this album came out. And uh, like I said, Christian Donaldson was the one who mixed, mastered, and recorded it. And he, I mean, he killed this album, man. We we knocked it out as best as we could, but he really took it above and beyond anything we could have ever asked for. And uh, we're just really proud of it. And hopefully people dig it when it comes out. But it'll be out early next year, probably, I don't know, I'd say probably around February, March sometime. Uh, we'll see. It might be a little bit later. We got to get the promotional stuff you know, finally figured out and stuff like that, but just be on the lookout for that. You know, like I said, if you follow us on the social media stuff, you'll definitely be fully up to date with what's going on. So perfect. If there is any plans for you guys to come to the Philadelphia area or the South Jersey area on tour or, or on a stop or something, you guys definitely have to come in. Cause we would like to have you on in person for an interview. And I mean, oh, love it. maybe love by that time, by, the uh, album will be out. Oh, yeah, dude, I'd love to swing by and definitely meet you in person, man. We can play Nickelback and piss off everybody in the room. I'm totally down. <laughs> that works for me, dude. All right, man, we'd like to thank you for coming on to the podcast. Um, it was a great interview. I'm glad that we got to meet. And, um, yeah, you know, Alec, well, man, for- check it out. Dude, thanks. 
Hell yeah. Thanks for having me on, Bill. I appreciate you taking your time out to even talk to me. And I appreciate, uh, appreciate the opportunity. Not a problem, man. Have a good night. You too, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Right on. Later. Bye. All right, guys. Well, uh, I hope you liked that episode. Uh, I hope you liked the interview. Uh, RJ from Alica. Um, like he said before, uh, you can catch them on facebook.com slash a L U K a H M D, um, Instagram and Twitter at a L U K a H official, um, youtube.com slash a L U K a H underscore band. And you can get their merch and stuff at, uh, a Luca a L U K a H dot big cartel.com. Um, yeah, uh, we got a nice little uh, song here for you guys now, and uh, I'm not even going to introduce it. I'll let RJ do it for you guys. This is RJ from Alica, and you're listening to Rage Against the Mainstream, and this is our song, Locust, on Defining Torment.
I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Obviously, it wasn't your normal, easy listening music that you look forward to coming out of Rage Against the Mainstream podcast. But like I said before, that was Alica. Uh, the song was Locusts off their uh, album, Defining Torment. Like I said, you can catch them all on their social media pages and, you know, YouTube's, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that jazz. Um, yeah. So make sure you tune in Monday for another episode with your three favorite hosts. Until then, this is Ray Jans, the mainstream signing off for the evening. I'm Bill. Have a good night. Thanks for listening.